How we doing? Good. You guys ready? All right, we got a lot of ground to cover. So uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 10. And uh, that's where we're going to start. We're going to be a little bit all over the place this morning, but that's okay. Um, uh, I was a little thrown off this morning because it's hot outside. Anybody else notice that? Like, I feel like I'm in North Carolina this morning. And God, I mean, I just had to remind myself. Here, here's how we're going to start this message today. We talked about the gospel last week because we're looking at the essentials of the Acts church, right? What are the essentials from, in the church? What are the essentials for the church to practice? And we talked for four weeks about the Holy Spirit. And then last Sunday, we kicked off a, um, a mini-series within this series uh, on the gospel. And how did we define the gospel? What is the gospel? Good news, right? The gospel is literally good news. And so when we say the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we're saying is the good news of Jesus, right? And so here's how I want to start the message off this morning as we kind of launch into it. What is the best news that you heard this past week? The best news that you heard this past week. Anybody? Anybody hear any good news? Okay, Mike. Son's family with two granddaughters. They came here, right? That was the, that was the good news. Okay. They, they came. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Somebody over here. Going to see one of the sisters next weekend at a barbecue that you're going to invite your pastor to that you haven't seen in a long time. That's awesome. In New Jersey? I'm out. I'm out. Sorry. You had me until New Jersey. No, that's, that's awesome. New York? I'll have to pray about that one. <laughs> All right, Henry. Okay, very good. Very good. I feel like that was pointed. <laughs> like one of those L-shaped amens. Okay, very good. All right, yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. That's exciting. Son, Seth passed hearing test, doesn't need tubes. Very good. One or two more. Yes, Jim. Does everybody know what Jan does every week? She, fl- she flies out Sunday afternoons. She comes, to, she comes to church, she flies out Sunday afternoons to San Diego, California, and works there Monday through Thursday, and then takes the red eye back to Portland. And so... You know you travel for a living when the best news you've heard all week is welcome to Portland International Airport. If this is your final destination, you can pick up your... No, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Well, that's great news. And what time did you hear that? 18 hours after I started my trip. Wow. Which is why it's so exciting. So we're going to pray over... No. One or two more. Yeah, Joe. Oh, you got a new job. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. One more. Best news. Yeah. I can't think of a better segue from that into a message about the gospel. So, with that, we love good news, don't we? We love good news. Like, like, how many of you have ever had the scenario when somebody comes to you and they say, they say, okay, I've got good news and bad news, 
right? Good, good, good news, bad news. How many of you take the, the good news first? A couple of you. How many of you wait and say, I want the good news second, right? A lot more of you, right? We like to kind of finish on the high note, right? Give me the terrible and only bring me up from there, right? And, and, so, and so we love, we love good news. And especially, you know, especially now when there's a lot of negativity, there's a lot of criticism, there's a lot of this, there's a lot of that kind of happening around us. We love good news. We're attracted to good news, whether it's Red Sox, whether it's health reports, whether it's this, whether it's that. We love good news. Here's how I want to kind of talk about the gospel today. And I think it's really important to talk about the gospel this way because we're going to back up and we're going to kind of do a little bit of, of, of gospel 101, okay? But the gospel is a gospel. The gospel is good news of reconciliation. The gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. The good news of Jesus Christ is that we can now be reconciled into relationship with God. Because here's a little, here's a little backstory with this. Okay? God is, is, is madly in love with you. God is madly in love with you. Like he, he designed you in such a way where He could have relationship with you. He desires relationship with you. Our God is not an impersonal being, someone up there that's just kind of like a, uh, you know, like this master, uh, you know, chessboard playing chess with all of our lives, or doing this or doing that. This this puppet that's, that's doing all. No, no, no. God is a very personable God, and He desires relationship. He desires community with each and every one of us. He desires community with each and every one of us. He desires to be with us. He desires to be with us. And, um, and so, uh, in order to do that, one of the things that, that I love about Scripture is the one thing that Jesus, excuse me, the one thing that God said wasn't good at creation. God created Adam and said, notice that Adam was alone, and He said it wasn't good. And so He created Eve. He created community. He created relationship. And then things happened, right? Then things happened in the Old, Old Testament. The whole Old Testament spends its time looking for a, for, for a suitable sacrifice, pleasing to God to pay the debt of man so that we could have a relationship with Him again. Didn't happen. The entire Old Testament. But then Jesus, New Testament, steps on the scene, right? Lives 33 and a half years, goes to the cross, right? Buried, raised again. 40 days later, arises and ascends into heaven. Ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 1. And then we are able to be in relationship with God. Thanks to Jesus. That's the Gospel. The fact that we can be reconciled into relationship with Jesus. Into, in, into relationship with God. Acts chapter 10, Peter talks about that. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10 very quickly. Then we're going to jump over to Matthew 4, if you want to put your finger there. Jeremiah 31 in a little bit. 1 Corinthians 15 towards the end, just so you know. And, uh, but I want to start in Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 34. Because here's, here's where we need to live. We need to live our lives out of the deep conviction. Conviction meaning a deep belief. A deep belief that we are beloved sons and daughters of God. We ought to live our lives with the deep conviction that we are beloved sons and daughters of God. Beloved sons and daughters of God. So, Acts 10, starting in verse 34. There's communion cups. 
So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. Now, two quick things from, as a review from last week from verse 34 here. The first thing, Peter did what? Opened his mouth. Right? Peter opened his mouth and said things. We talked about last week. St. Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel always when necessary. Use words. And we talked about how it's so necessary for us to do that. Right? Preach the gospel with our lives. Smile at you know, all, you know, people and, and do all of that. But also, use words. The greatest power, the greatest um, evangelism tool that you have to tell people about Jesus is what Jesus is doing in your life. What has God done in your life lately? And have you told somebody about that? Have you shared that with somebody? And so Peter opened his mouth. When it comes to the Gospel, we've got to open our mouths and tell people about the good news of Jesus. Secondly, secondly, Peter says, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. We said it last week. We'll say it again this week because it's so true about the Gospel. The Gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not for a select group of people. It's not for an elite few. It is for all people. God shows no partiality. God shows no partiality. But pastor, no, God shows no partiality. But what about no, no partiality? The Gospel is for all people. Verse 35, But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the Word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. We're going to talk about that next week as we wrap up the Gospel. Verse 37, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea. Beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He's talking about the life of Jesus. He's sharing the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Verse 39, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify, testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Did you see that? Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins, receives reconciliation with God, comes into relationship with God. The gospel is a gospel of reconciliation, renewed relationship, restored relationship. That's a beautiful thing. There are three big lies that I think many of us believe or have believed or, or, or are going to believe at some point in our lives that come in between us and the Gospel. There are three major lies that, 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 that I think we're tempted with, we're approached with um, all of the time around us that come in between us and living out the Gospel, the good news of Jesus. And I want to talk about those lies because Peter, just to uh, the Gentiles, he just shared the good news of Jesus yet again with his mouth, verbally speaking, sharing the good news of Jesus, the Gospel of Christ. 
And there are three lies that I think we believe that we buy into when it comes to the gospel. To, to illustrate this, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. We're going to talk about these three lies that we believe. The first one is this. Then Jesus, Matthew 4, verse 1, was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Verse 3. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What does the enemy say to Jesus? Turn these stones into bread. The first lie that we believe, the first lie that we buy into, is I am what I do. I am what I do. I'm defined by what I do. What was the enemy trying to get Jesus to do? The enemy was, was, the enemy was trying to get Jesus to just do something. You're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Do something. Do something. And so many of us, so many of us get defined, get defined by what we do and not who God says we are. So many of us get defined by what we do and not who God says we are. We love titles, don't we? We love titles. We love to know very clearly what my, I, I need to know what my title is and what the expectations of that title are. And that's important. That's important, right? You ought to know what the expectations are. But listen, we're not defined, we're not defined completely in our lives by, by um, chaplain, hospice chaplain. We're not defined by, um, I don't know what your title would be now, Pastor Rick, retired pastor, mentor, Katie's husband. Yeah. Okay. We're not defined by our titles. And, and here's, where, here's where this gets a lot of fun you know, and, and confusing in today's culture. Nobody wants a title unless it has vice president next to it. Mm, any millennials? In, in, okay, sorry. No. I is one, so I can talk about them. Right? We don't, we don't want to embrace a title unless it, unless it includes us sitting at the head table making big decisions for the organization. Um, some of you may have heard this story. Um, others may not, so we'll tell it again if you've heard it before. Repetition is never a bad thing. Um, when I was called into ministry at 16 years old, I went and got a mentor because that's what the guy that was preaching that night told me I should do, go get a mentor. So I went and found this mentor. His name was Thad. And I said, hey, Thad, would you, would you mentor me in the ministry? He said, sure, man, I would love to. Let's start this week. Um, and, and, and Wednesday, show up to, to youth group right after school, which was like three and a half hours early. He, he, he told me to show up for youth group. And I was like, okay, um, sounds great. And so I went. I got a brand new Bible. Got a dry. I was so pumped. I was so ready to, to go and, and, be, and be mentored. I went, I went right after school um, to the church, Parkwood Baptist Church, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and sat down and in the office, and Thad uh, walked into the office, and I, I was so excited. He said, I got you something. He had his hand behind his back. He said, I got you something. And I was so excited because I thought it was like a, uh, a set of commentaries or something like that. Uh, you know, I just I thought it was going to be something amazing, right? And he, and he looked at me. He said, Travis, do you know how many toilets there are in Parkwood Baptist Church? And I said, I said oh, no, no, Thad, I don't. That's an interesting uh, way to lead into a mentorship relationship, though. And he pulled from behind his back a toilet brush. Brand new, sparkling, clean toilet brush. 
And he said, well, guess what? You're going to get to know how many toilets there are at Parkwood Baptist Church uh, here today because you're going to scrub every single one of them before youth group starts. 42 toilets later, I tried to give him the toilet brush back. And he said he didn't want it. And I was like, what was the deal with this? I thought we were going to talk about ministry. I thought we were going to learn about what it meant to be a pastor and, and all, and all of these things. And, you know, and, 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 and that was what mentorship was going to be all about. And he looked at me and he said, don't ever forget, no matter where you go, whether you're in ministry for the rest of your life or whether you work somewhere else, no matter where you are, you're never too good to scrub a toilet. You're never too good to scrub a toilet. And I looked back at him and I said, well, Mr. Miyagi, I chose the wrong mentor. (laughs) He still calls me once every other week, once a month or so, just to check in. He knows all about you. He knows all about everything that's happened and still calls me and checks in now a lot of years later. Isn't that awesome? But it started with scrubbing the toilets. We're not defined by the title. We're defined by the fact that we are a beloved son or daughter of God. And he's passionate about you. And he cares about you. He loves you. And he desires so deeply to be in relationship with you. So many of us get wrapped in doing things, that I am what I do, so I've got to teach Sunday school classes, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to volunteer at VBS, which is never a bad thing. We'd love to have you volunteer at VBS. But do good things, and when we have success, it feels good, right? When we fail, we feel low and depressed, right? But when we have some things, and when we're successful about them, it feels good. It feels good, so much so that... So much so that there are times we like to go back and look, right? We, we like to go back and look at things like trophies, and we like to tell the stories, right? And we like to, you know, we, we, we like to share the trophies and the, and the wins and the excitements. We like to live vicariously through our children and the, and the, and the wins and all of that. Like, I'm going to have four Division I basketball players here in a few years. It's going to be amazing. I am what I do. I am what I've done. Right? I am what I'm going to do. No, I'm a beloved son or daughter of God. The devil was trying to get Jesus to just do some things. And look at Jesus' response. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The biggest lie that we believe and that we force on each other is that we've got to perform. We've got to do some things. We've got to measure up to the level of performance that is expected of you if you're going to be a child of God. That is a lie from the devil. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. It's not based on your performance. It's based on trusting God. Number two, look at verses five through seven. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. Notice what he says here. 
Notice what he says here. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jump from the temple and let people see it so they'll speak well of you. The second lie that we believe is this. I am what people say I am. I am what people say I am. That's the second lie that we believe. It's a very powerful thing what people say, isn't it? It's a very powerful thing what people say. In fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, a very powerful book sandwiched there in the New Testament. Um, James says this. He compares the tongue right to the bit of a horse, something so small that controls the whole animal right? You you know the bit of a horse, that little piece of metal that's about that long, you know, that thick. You jam it right back in in between the horse's teeth, back there in his gums, and you control the whole thing. That's what he compares the tongue to, something so small that controls the whole body. He also compares it to the rudder on a ship, right? A small little rudder that, 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 that steers that ship, that speeds it up, that slows it down. He compares the tongue to a small rudder on a big ship, something so small that controls the whole thing. And you think about it, with the same tongue that we build each other up, get in the car, drive away, we tear each other down. The same, the same tongue that we're in here praising God and lifting up, Right? Tearing each other down. I, I struggled with this first service. It is hard to see a people that are called to be known by love be so critical about each other. We're so hard on each other. I mean, we're so hard on each other. We might not be hard on each other in this room if we look across the aisle, but man, we're hard on each other talking about other churches down the road. Man, we're hard on each other. I don't remember where it originated from, so you can quote me if you want to. But it was a pastor or speaker somewhere saying, why are we the only army that shoots its wounded? We're the only army that shoots us wounded. And you know how we shoot each other? With our tongue. The things we say. Some of you don't even have to say it. The facial expression says it all. The look that you give that person in the hallway says enough. That they're not welcome here. They're not accepted here. The gospel's not for them which is a lie. We've already talked about that. But it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. I I battle this one a lot. I battle this one quite a bit. I am what people say I am. Because because if I, you know, if I had my way, because I'm I'm kind of a people pleaser, kind of, it's probably a little soft. Um, I'm a people pleaser, and so if I had it my way, right, Burger King, if this was a Burger King church, have it your way, right, uh, you you would walk out of here just bouncing on clouds every Sunday. Oh, that was amazing. You know, it'd be Downy Soft, Charmin Ultra. It would just be so happy, right, and feel good. But that's just not 
the case. Because one of the things that, about the gospel that, 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 that we may get to, we may not get to, we might get to it now, next week, is that, is that the gospel can be offensive. We talked about that a little bit last week, right? If, we, if you walk out of here week after week after week and say, oh, pastor, that was the best message I ever heard. You know, that was incredible. I just loved it. You're amazing, right? Well, then I'm not doing something right. I am what people say I am. And so here, here's the truth that I've had to come to, and it's a hard truth. And so if you identify with this one, man, I am with you. I am with you, sister. I am with you. I am with you. But I am not what you think about me. If, if I get my self-worth by the things that you say about me, if I get my self-worth by the things that you think about me or, 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 or what have you, then we're both going to struggle. We're both going to struggle. But I am who God says I am. And He says I'm dearly beloved Son of God. Does that mean I'm... Does that mean I'm we, we get that, right? Get that, ready to move on? I am what you say I am. Big lie that we believe. You are who God says you are. And He says that you're His beloved son. You're His beloved daughter. Number three. Number three. Verses 8-11. through 11. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you. All these I will give you. Say give. If you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. I've had enough. I love that. Be gone, Satan. You almost have to say that with a little bit of a southern accent. Be gone, Satan. (laughs) For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and Him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. See what happens when you speak southern. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The enemy looked at Jesus and said this, kneel in front of me, kneel in front of you, kneel in front of me, and I will give you a lot of possessions. I will give you all the possessions. I will give you all this stuff. I will give you everything. The third lie that we buy into that affects our relationship with the gospel is this. I am what I have. I am what I do. I am what people say I am. I am what I have. We have a lot of stuff, don't we? We have a lot of stuff, right? Uh, some, somebody in between services came up to me and they said, man, you know, this, this, I was thinking about what you said. I just had to share this story with you. I loaded four carfuls in my car this week and took the stuff to Goodwill and it was amazing. I found things I didn't even know I had anymore and I took them to Goodwill and it just felt amazing. It felt so freeing and I was like, that's awesome. You're going to come to my house this week and do the same thing? No. Um, But it's so freeing, right? Because so many of us, right, we're drowning in stuff and the more space we have, the more stuff we need to fill that space. Amen? I mean, that just makes sense, right? That just makes sense. The more space we have, the more stuff we need to fill the space, right? You get that? Right, like, like all of us have the box, right? All of us have the box. Everybody knows about the box. That one box that's been in the same place that you set it when you moved in your house and you still haven't unpacked it yet. Anybody? Anybody? 
Okay, I see those hands. Hallelujah, right? Six and a half years, we still have that one box. And I know I'm the one that put it there because it's on the top shelf in the garage. And I don't even remember what's in there. Six and a half years, it's there. I think it's like a dryer vent or something that we're never going to use anymore. But I can't throw it away because now it's become the box and it's a really good sermon illustration every time. You know what I mean? So like, it's got to stay there now. Like, it's done. Like, it can't be, it can't go away, right? Got to hang on to it just because of the sentimental value, Right? Because it's the box. It's the box. You can't touch the box. What's in the box? I don't have a fat clue, but it's there. It's the box. Right? All of us have the box. I saw so many hands go up. So we're going we're gonna to do a box support group, a summer small group. Now, we'll figure out a way to start that. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. But just throw the box away. Right? Just throw the box away. It would be that easy. Just throw the box away. Right? No, you can't throw the box away. Right? Have you ever tried to get somebody that holds on to things to throw something away? They make TV shows about that stuff. (laughs) Yeah, Hoarders, right? That's the show? Yeah? You speaking from experience? It just looks like there's a conviction that's just come over you in this third lie. I'm just kidding, John. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we define our things by what we have because we've got to have them, right? We've got to have them, right? Because here's the deal. We want what we want and we want it now. Well, how many times are you going to use it? Maybe once. I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you that, but I just need it. I've got to have it. I didn't have it five minutes ago. I need it now. And culture is trying to find more and more ways to get everything that you want at your fingertips. I, this, this is the craziest thing. I don't know if you have this. I, I haven't done much research into this. But apparently you can put a button in your house that communicates with Amazon where you press it and toilet paper shows up like 48 hours later. Is that true? That's real? That's amazing. <laughs> real quick, chasing a rabbit. We were at Kiwanis Beach yesterday and there was, and there was a... Um, lady there that kept saying Alexa, and I thought she had her Alexa there, but she, her daughter was actually named Alexa. <laughs> no. It was amazing. John and I are just having a conversation now. You guys are all, I am what I have. I am what I have. And we define ourselves by the things that we have. More importantly, more importantly, or maybe just as important, some of us define ourselves by the things about the things that we don't have. Some of us define ourselves by the things that we don't have. Right? Like it's hard for me to pull into the parking lot at Summit Church now. Because Jeff and Norma, on a beautiful day, are going to drive that beautiful, gorgeous blue car that I can't even fit in. <laughs> which is good for them. Can't even fit in. But I just think, man, that thing would look sweet in my driveway. But we define ourselves by the things that we can't have, don't have, right? Stuff, possessions, cars, vacations, all these different things. And we define ourselves. These three lies that we believe. And what, is, what does Jesus finally say to Satan when he says, hey, kneel in front of me, right? Which, which can you just imagine Jesus' face, right? When Satan, the devil, is, is, is talking to Jesus and saying, hey, hey, Jesus, just kneel in front of me. I'll give you all this, right? Like it's not his anyway. I'll give you all this, right? I'll give all of this to you. And what does Jesus say? Be gone, Satan. Like enough. Enough is enough. 
enough of this stuff, enough of these lies. I'm not what I do. I'm not going to turn these stones into bread because that's not what I'm defined by. I'm not what people say that I am. I can't, I'm not going to jump off this building so that people will speak well of me just because I can you know, do, do this or do that. Right? I'm not going to do that because I'm not defined by what people say that I am. And I'm not going to kneel in front of you so that you can give me all this stuff that I already own because guess what? I created it. I was part of that. Remember that whole deal? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to kneel in front of you so that you can give me all this stuff because I'm not defined by the things that I have. I'm defined by the Father's love for me. I'm defined by the Father's love for me. And yet, so much of our lives, so much of our energy, so much of our energy, when we go back and look, see, I believe the reason, you, you, you go around, you talk to people today, man, how you doing? I'm tired. I'm guilty. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm just beat. Just beat. And so, so many of us are feeling that. So many of us are, are exhausted. We're tired. We're struggling to make it through the day. We would just beg God for four more hours. Or this or that, right? So much of a conversation. So much of our energy, so much of our lives is going into these three lies. Performance. I am what I do. People pleasing. I am what people say that I am, so I've got to do it because if I don't do it, I'm going to disappoint people. And I am what I have. All this stuff defines me. I've got to have more stuff because if I have more stuff, then that means I'm more cool. No, that means you're drowning. Sometimes. I was very moved the other day. I didn't tell this story in the first service. I was very moved the other day. Ezra turned three. My little man turned three, and so to go, well, as he, as he turned three, Kristen and Vera were going, doing something, older girls were at vacation Bible school, and, uh, and so Ezra and I went out to Shaw Park, and we got in a kayak, and we just went, we went kayaking for an hour. And, and, and every time, every time I, I, I was getting the kayak ready, and I tried to have Ezra carry the kayak down to the water, and that didn't work. <laughs> he carried the paddle about halfway. But, I, but, but there was, there's a lot to do, right? There's a lot to do. And so, you know, getting the kayak down there, then I had to walk back up to the car and get, the, you know, get, a, get a life jacket, and then I forgot something. Shocker. So I had to go back to the truck and get that. And, and every time, every time, it was just... I, I got to go with you, Daddy. I got to go with you, Daddy. I want to be with you, Daddy. I want to be with you, Daddy. I just want to be with you. And, I, and like, we, we, Grandy has started calling him Motormouth because when he gets something in his mind, like, he just says it a hundred times just to make sure that you hear it, right? And until you finally address it. Okay, I hear you. You want to be with me, right? You want to be with me. And so as we started kayaking, right? And I started, you know, checking in with him. How you doing, man? You, you loving this? You know, you liking this? Yeah, yeah, I'm loving this, right? He would try to turn around. Don't turn around, Desi. We're going to tip this thing, right? Don't do that. You just stay still. You stay looking, focused ahead. And as we were going out there, and as I was just kind of sitting in the peacefulness and just kind of rowing him in the boat, I thought, man, I wonder if that's how God feels. Our Heavenly Father, 
Because I'm, I'm going to be straight up with you, man. It was amazing to have my little three-year-old look at me and say, I want to be with you, Daddy. I want to go with you, Daddy. I want to just be with you. It doesn't matter. We're just going to go. We're going to be together. We're going to be out in the water. It's just going to be us. It's going to be amazing. The girls are nowhere to be found. I don't think he said that. And I thought, man, I wonder if that's how Daddy feels. When's the last time I went to Daddy and just said, Daddy, I want to be with you. Nothing, nothing else matters. I just want to be with you. It doesn't, doesn't matter who I, you know, my title, none of that matters. It doesn't matter about the stuff I have. It doesn't matter what, what, what people think about me. It doesn't matter. It just, this time is with you, Daddy. You. You. Undivided attention. Because you love me so much that you just desire this time with me and you'll carve this time out with me. And there's just kind of this overwhelming sense of emotion the way that we debunk these three lies is we spend time with Daddy. The way that we remind ourselves of what's important, the way that we overcome these lies is that we spend time with Daddy. We sit there and just let Him tell us how He feels about us, what matters, who He says that we are. We spend time with Daddy. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah says something similar in 31. I'm just going to read verse 3 because we've got to run. The Lord says, The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I've continued my faithfulness to you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I've continued my faithfulness to you. God would say to you today, through His Word, not my words, through His Word, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I'm continuing my faithfulness to you. 1 Corinthians 15, 56-58 says this. He says, The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, there it is again, therefore, my beloved brothers, Paul is speaking to the church of Corinth, therefore, my beloved brothers. And if you think about that, think about that just for a second. Think about that just for a second. The mess that the church of Corinth was in, and we don't have time to dive all the way into that, but the mess that the church of Corinth was in with performance and competition and false gospels, the mess that the church of Corinth was in, and yet Paul says to them, reminds them, beloved brothers, be steadfast. Immovable. Be steadfast. Immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Knowing that your labor is not in vain. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brother, you're not what you do. You're not what people say that you are. You're not your stuff. You are a beloved son and daughter of God whom He is passionate about. You're my beloved brother and sister 
whom God is so passionate about and whom I am passionate about you knowing that love and you engaging that love every day of your life.